Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Thursday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, we're going to talk about inflation. We know that supply and demand are major factors, and recently, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Jerome Powell testified, look, it's all connected. But it now appears that factors pushing inflation upward will linger well into next year. And Atlanta has the highest inflation rate among major cities in the nation. So we're talking about from gasoline to groceries to prices for a lot of goods. We'll find out why as we talk about all of this with our favorite economist, Tom Smith. Plus, a look at what's being called the Great Resignation, people walking away from their jobs in the midst of the pandemic. All that's just ahead. But first, this news, as you just heard on NPR, federal regulators say 16 and 17 year olds can now get booster doses of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration gave emergency approval to the shots today for six months after a completed vaccine series. Atlanta's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention still need to weigh in on boosters for this younger age group. A formal recommendation from the agency is expected soon. And then other news, the head of the Atlanta Board of Education says, yes, guess what? He's running for state Senate. Democrat Jason Estevez announced today, Estevez, excuse me, announced today that he's seeking the seat for Senate District 6. Now, Democrat Jen Jordan currently holds that seat, but she's running for Georgia Attorney General next year. And Estevez has served on the school board since 2013. He's been board chair since 2018. Speaking of running for office, a number of Republican candidates seeking statewide offices are running on a platform of repealing Georgia's state income tax. As we hear from our politics reporter, Raul Bally, he says that could leave a massive hole in the state's finances. Georgia's personal and corporate income tax brings in 13 to 14 billion dollars a year. The state budget is 27 billion dollars a year. That means state lawmakers would have to find billions in new revenues or make billions in cuts. Republican State Representative Terry England is the chairman of the powerful committee that writes the state budget every year. He says one option would be to significantly increase sales taxes, which range from 6 to 9% depending on where you live. When you show up to the store, instead of paying 7 you'd be paying 17% for something that you buy. The part that you've got to tread lightly on is that one studies have proven that once you get above 10% sales tax, it becomes regressive. England says another option would be taxing services like doctors, dentists, and lawyers. England also worries about the impact on retailers. Raul Valley, WABE News. And finally, a bit of sports news. Endeavor, a sports and entertainment company, has reached a deal to acquire nine minor league baseball teams across the U.S., and that includes all four Atlanta Braves affiliates. 
The Braves will retain control over player development with the teams in Gwinnett, Pearl, Mississippi, Rome, and Augusta. The new owners will handle business operations. The deal still needs approval from Major League Baseball. Coming up next, we will have a conversation about inflation. So prepare. This is Closer Look. And it's those type of conversations that we have every day on this program. By the way, just bear with me. We're taking a few minutes, and I do mean a few minutes only, to tell you that we are here in our year-end campaign. We're looking for your help today to fund Closer Look. And right now, it's a great, great time to do it because we're in the only WABE board challenge of 2021. It's happening right now. I'm Rose Scott, of course. If you don't believe me, I have asked our senior multi-platform producer, Jamie Green, to tell you what it's all about. What's happening, Jamie? What's going on, Rose? Look, this is how it works. If we can make a total number of hourly benchmarks through the day, it will mean $10,000 to WABE. You heard that right, $10,000 to WABE. So please help if you can at wabe.org slash donate. The benchmark for this hour is 22 donations. If you were ever looking to make a return on your investment, well, now is the time. And you can also call us at 678-553-9090. Thank you. My name is Adlin Kasana, and I live in Vining. My favorite show is Close to Look with Rose Scott. I, I love Rose Scott's um, approach and detail to stories. She brings passionate guests on her lineup and, you know, just gives a unique perspective, you know, things that you may not necessarily see in any other type of format. If I could say anything to Rose Scott, I would tell her that she's an important voice in Atlanta, and I think that she provides the kind of narrative I mean, approaches to journalism that is refreshing and authentic. Well, you've said a lot, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Adeline. That's what we do every day here, at not just on Closer Look, but on WABE. So I'm here to tell you, not only do you find unique perspectives, but you hear an authentic approach to journalism. That's the way it should be. That's the only way I can be. Can't be any way, any other way. Just can't. That's why you listen, right? That's what you rely on. But it doesn't just happen. There's a lot that goes into this show. And the producers will tell you, Sam Whitehead has just come on board. He's our senior producer. Sam's already learning that there are two things. One, I like donuts. Right, Sam, over there? Sam gave me a thumbs up. But also that it does take a lot. And so we rely on listeners like you to support this type of programming. So, look, your sustaining gift can make such a big impact on everything we do here, Jamie. We tell folks this all the time. Please make that gift today at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. And Jamie, as you just want to remind folks that we, we have a bit of a board, do we have a challenge here, so to we speak? We have a board challenge, yes. yes. We have 22. That's the goal for this hour. And look, remember when you give, we want to make sure it doesn't feel like a chore, right? Something that is hard to do. This is the easiest way to give. We say about 10 bucks a month because that's what it sounds like is the best level for most of our donors. And this way you won't have to ask, when was the last time I gave to WABE? Look, and once you set it up, your membership is always up to date. I love that part, Rose. Mm -hmm. And you can always contact us at any time if you need to make changes. And the amount really is about 33 cents a day. It seems to be the most comfortable level for our new monthly donors. But look, that is the suggested giving amount. But you know what really works for you. But we want to hear from you. So give at wabe.org slash donate. And of course, always thank you. 
Does your day begin and end with WABE? Are you always updating your friends and family on the latest news? If so, you might be the ultimate WABE fan. And we've created a winter set of seven thank you gifts with you in mind. It's the new WABE Dollar a Day Collection. With your one-time donation of $365 or monthly at around $30, you'll receive the brand new WABE Amplified Tea, the NPR 50th Anniversary Tote, the limited edition NPR 50th Anniversary Mug, our Forever I Love Atlanta Mug, a pair of Forever I Love Atlanta socks, and face mask, as well as the PBS streaming service Passport. Stand in support of fact-based news with your year-end donation right now at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-1990. Thank you. Ooh, y'all are getting a lot. We must be cleaning out the WABE storage locker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot, folks. And yet, you know what? You deserve it because we appreciate your support. And remember, when you give right now to support Closer Look, your investment has much more potential because of this WABE board challenge. Now, listen, this is how it works. $10,000 is ours. Well, not me personally, but it comes to the station if we can meet the total number of benchmarks throughout the day. Now, for this hour, it's just only 22. I know we can do 22 because that's how y'all rock. A big thanks to our board members who helped pull this together for 2021. And thanks to you as well. You know, we're relying on your support and it's really easy. 678-553-9090 or, you know, go online at wabe.org slash donate. And as always, we say thank you. My name is Nancy Watkins and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I increased my monthly donations to WABE a few months ago because what I give to ABE compared to what I give monthly in fees to other things is minuscule. Public radio needs to be sustained, particularly now when there's so many negative and incorrect voices out there. I just felt like I could afford it and I should do it. That's right, Nancy. Public media needs to be sustained. And thank you for increasing your monthly donation, Nancy. It's so true. There are so many negative voices out there and factually incorrect information. So you come to WABE for the truth and we get it. As a sustaining monthly donor, we ask that you consider increasing your gift just a bit here at the end of the year because our costs go up nearly every single year. You know, Jamie, I love our WABE listeners. Just got an email. They said, Rose, I love you, but I want you to back up the donuts. You talk about them a lot. (laughs) See, that's how I know I'm connecting. We're connecting with the community. They're concerned about my health. Y'all find me a healthy donut and I'm there. But besides that, if you can help us start the new year strong with a dollar or two, you know, increase to your sustaining gift. You can do so. It's really easy at wabe.org slash donate and look for the link at the top of the page or tell the operator when you call 678-553-9090. And also to state the obvious, we know that monthly donors are doing so much. We know that. So if you want to increase your sustaining gift, do that. Now, I know it's very bold of us to ask for your gift right now, but it will really help us as we wrap up the year. And as always, we say thank you. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org.
The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. And you're listening to Closer Look here on 90.1 WABE. I'm Rose Scott. Um, got milk? Remember now, that used to be a very catchy slogan for the dairy industry. But as of late, it really does mean, do you have milk? Because the price per gallon has increased. The reason? It's called inflation. Okay. I don't know what y'all doing back there, Kevin, you and Sam. Um, The factors contributing to this current state of inflation. That's enough of that. Fed Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell recently told the House Committee on Financial Services, hey, look, there's a lot to consider here. Pandemic-related supply and demand imbalances have contributed to notable price increases in some areas. Supply chain problems have made it difficult for producers to meet strong demand, particularly for goods. And then there's this. Atlanta has the highest inflation rate among major cities in the nation. What's this all about? And what's the regional outlook for not only just Atlanta and Georgia heading into 2022? Returning to Closer Look, glad to have him back. Professor in the finance area and an economist with the Guazetta Business School of Emory at Emory University. Tom Smith, welcome back. Good to see you. Hey, Rose. It's actually nice to see you. I know we're not in the same studio right now, but I can see you on Zoom. So you look great. Thank you. I thought you liked I thought you liked chocolates. I used to bring you chocolates every time I came to the studio. You know, I just got an email. I just got a correspondence from someone else that said I thought Swedish fish were your thing. Y'all obviously don't know me at all. At all. (laughs) I thought you liked the chocolates, but okay, next time I'll bring you some donuts. (laughs) Let's begin here. But before we get into the good, the bad and the ugly regarding don't do it, Kevin. Inflation. We are three months away from two years of adjusting to life with this coronavirus. Uh, Professor Smith, just time for you now to reflect on all of this the last two years. Yeah, I don't want to use. Well, I'm going to. I'm going to use the word unprecedented, which has been used an unprecedented number of times mm-hmm. in the last two years. I mean, we went through what's called an economic shock. Economic shocks are, are what pushed the economy off its rails, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we went through a, an economic shock that we hadn't experienced before and changed the way that we live, the way that we do business, the way that we work. I mean, all all of our, what was business as usual has now become unusual. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think it's going to take a while for us to reconcile what all of that means. And we are still in the process of reconciling how all of those changes are impacting our economy. So is it fair if I'm going to ask you to assess how the nation's economy has been faring overall since last March? Because there have been the the ups and downs, you know, the dips and the increases, but we're still dealing with this as a new administration. A lot of things have changed, obviously, with the pandemic. Vaccinations, obviously, a big part of that. So but if you had to, how do you assess how we've done so far since last March? Well, the economy is growing and the economy is growing at at a very, very strong pace. So GDP growth is very strong. It's over 3%, 4%. But it usually does grow very strong after you've had such large decreases as we've had. Uh, Just consider some of the 
let's say, trade-offs or, or different indicators that might suggest that things are doing well and things are doing poorly. So unemployment rate, which maybe topped around 15 or 16 percent in you know March of, of, of 2020, um, has gone down to about four and a half percent, right? Mm-hmm. But we still have 20 million people who were in the workforce two years ago who have not regained the workforce. Talk about conflicting pieces of information, well, that, employment rates. That's yeah. my next question, because I think for listeners, and I, and I feel like I'm, I can speak for them, we hear, okay, the employment rate has gotten better. Sure. Okay, the employ, unemployment rate has gone down. But the employment rate for specific populations, I say, for example, women, we know nearly five million women left the workforce because of the pandemic. So you hear all these conflicting messages. And then maybe this is what uh, Chair Jerome Powell was talking about, because he noted to the committee. And maybe it's not surprising how the economy was affecting specific ethnic groups. The economic downturn has not fallen equally, and those least able to shoulder the burden have been the hardest hit. In particular, despite progress, joblessness continues to fall disproportionately on African Americans and Hispanics. Professor, point example. Yeah, that's that. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, I've been tracking the labor force participation rate of uh, women, men across different ethnic groups, black, white, Hispanic, and it, he's absolutely on the money. I mean, the the labor force participation rate for black women has not come back as strongly as let's say for Hispanic women. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's a huge number of people who have been displaced. They were either displaced or they chose to, you know, leave the workforce because of the dangers of of, that COVID presented and they haven't come back. And there's also, you know, changes are, let's say discrepancies between wages for these groups. There always had been, but mm-hmm. the pandemic has exacerbated those differences. And so you know, a lot of economists have talked about this recession as being K-shaped because, you know, think about the top of a K, you know, mm-hmm. it decreases, then it goes back up. So the professionals, you know, educated, highly educated workers, we saw a decrease and then our lives returned to normal. But then let's say lower educated black females, perhaps they saw their lives actually get worse as a result. And then haven't had they haven't had the same kind of rebounding in terms of their economic and economic progress as we've seen for, let's say, white males. And so there is this huge discrepancy. I want you to, to put on your professor hat for a moment, because I think this is a great uh, segue into de- some definitions, because you mentioned recession and we're talking about inflation. I know someone listening says, okay, professor, can you talk about the difference here when we talk about the recession and the inf- inflation and how those two correlate? Does one usually come after the other? Is one usually an indicator that the other one's coming? Okay, so a, a recession is an overall downturn in economic uh, indicators, usually signaled by drops in productivity, mm-hmm. wages, employment. The group that monitors this is the uh, NBER Business Cycle Dating Committee. They are the referees, if you will, mm-hmm. of the of the economy. They're the ones that call economic recessions and recoveries. Our last economic recession started in end of February, beginning of March in 2020, and it was it is officially over two months later. So we're currently we we might actually be in a recession, but the NBER Business Cycle Dating Committee called the last recession over. Uh, two months after it started. So did they tell anybody? Because I think a lot of folks are like the recession was over last year. Really? Well, this is I mean, this is one of those interesting, interesting elements of the economy is that 
you know, you have a group that calls balls and strikes, right? It says like, okay, that's a recession. Okay, now we're out of the recession. But the population says, okay, I'm still feeling very hurt by the movement of our economy. I haven't gotten a job back or I haven't gotten the same kind of traction in the economy as I did before. Or I'm dying here. I have, you know, I have a job, but things are costing me so much more. Mm-hmm. Your question about inflation is very, very good. Infl- very, very good question. What we have here is inflation is one of the things that indicates their current trend of the economy, but we can have an inflation that is within a recession or we can have inflation that is outside of a recession. Um, We had inflation probably because, nope, not probably, absolutely because Mm -hmm. we had this crazy economic shock and the the way that we produce goods and consume goods changed dramatically as a result of that. At the core, and Chair Powell talked about this, has can we solely put it on the pandemic? Particularly, we talk Absolute, about supply chain as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, it seems really simplistic that okay, at the core, the the core cause of the inflation was that we went into this pandemic recession. Now, okay, so how how did that play out? Mm-hmm. So, inflation is a monetary phenomenon first and foremost. All right. And the way that you can see this is if you've ever watched the show Survivor, you know, they put a bunch of people on an island and mm-hmm. they have to vote each other off. And, and there's a there's a there's an interesting game that they play during a Survivor where they have an auction and they give a whole bunch of people like five hundred dollars. Right. And they say, like, OK, bid on a hamburger. I don't know if you've ever watched that. But when they do that, what happens <laughs> to the price of a hamburger? What happens to the price <laughs> right. of a cheesecake or something? Right. It's like an ordinary hamburger, which would cost you like. Thirteen dollars. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, now costs five hundred dollars. So you say, okay. So if we flood an economic system with money, then we're going to get this increase in prices. It's absolutely true. I think the other thing that that Powell had mentioned is that there is this disconnect between um, supply and demand. That is, early on in the pandemic, we had some crazy. Uh, movements of both supply and demand that were unanticipated, mm-hmm. right? So we had we had firms that said, okay, we're going to have to shut down because we have to keep people healthy. We have to shut down because people are sick, so we have to close. And other firms that said, oh, you know what? We're I mean, nobody's buying anything, so we just better shut down. Well, production. Well, production, production stopped. Abs- and if you were an, abs- an automaker, it was, particularly if you were an automaker that was re- relying on some type of, product from China or whatever, that whole issue just just went as this is not an official term that I don't know if Jerome Powell used bonkers. I don't know. You might use bonkers. Said I think it's an official term that and bananas. There we go. Okay, right. And so, so you're, this is another really good point. Is that you're an automaker, and let's suppose that you're relying on one piece from some some facility in in Italy or Japan or China or wherever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting that one piece, your car is let's say ninety nine percent complete without that one piece. The car is still one hundred percent unavailable to your consumers. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's. It, I mean, it seems like. Wait, we've got most of the car here. Can we sell it? You're like, well, you're missing lug nuts. Like the the wheels are going to come off the car, <laughs> literally. So the problem is, is that when you had these shutdowns of facilities in other countries or in our own country, then, and in addition to that, changes in consumption that were unanticipated. Mm-hmm. So people thought, oh, the economy was falling apart, so everybody's going to stop buying things. Well, what happened is everybody just decided to buy different things. 
And very few people anticipated the direction of what they were going to buy. So when the economy, when the economy went sideways and all of a sudden I was teaching online Mm -hmm. to 200 students. um, Okay. I needed to build my own home studio. Who who knew that? But you also told me a while ago, you said, look, the great thing is that I'm not taking as many work shirts to the cleaners. You, you support your local cleaners. That local cleaners then sees a, a drop, obviously, in, in consumers coming in. That impacts perhaps their employees. That impacts if they're paying rent. Tom, you are responsible for inflation right now. I am. I mean, I mean, actually, we all are in some respects, right? Because what what happened is you're you're right in the money, and I and you have a great memory. So yeah, I stopped doing dry cleaning on my shirts. I didn't have to drive my car mm-hmm. hardly at all. I could walk a mile to the gym. I could walk a mile to the grocery store. You know, I mean, it's like I, I basically just did everything at my house. It wasn't dri- driving to school to teach classes because they were all online. So I just changed my entire consumption habits. But I bought a new, you know, a digital you know, camera for my computer and bought a new computer and bought a high speed, you know, this thing and that thing. And, you know, so, I mean, I, I had to ramp up to have a, have a production office in my house. Right. And mm-hmm. then I had to buy a, I mean, it was, it's nuts. I mean, I bought a dance floor for my daughter. Okay. Who's a Tom, ballet you, dancer, you're just right? showing yeah. off, you know, I bought a dance floor. <laughs> Why can't she just dance on regular carpet like the rest of us? Oh, come you know, you need the floor, you know, she's on and point. She's a, and I know your, your daughter, she's a yeah. lovely young woman. Uh, the voice you hear is so, Tom Smith. He's an economist with the Gorzetta Business School at Emory University. I have a question from a listener who wants to say, okay, ask the professor, how do we make inflation go away? I love the fact we're just very simple folk around here. How do sure. we make inflation go away, Professor? Yeah, so the so the Fed chair uh, hinted at this more than hinted. He pretty much flat out said that they're going to wind down the 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 Fed quantitative easing expansion monetary policy, and they're going to roll it back. So the way to get rid of inflation is to start engaging in contractionary monetary policy. So you're going to see the Fed roll back on their bond purchases. And then at some point, I think January, they're going to uh, say they're going to increase federal funds targets by maybe 25 basis points, discount rate by 25 basis points. So they're going to start rolling back the easy money that they have and start contracting the money supply. Hmm. That along with you know, a roll off of all of the expansive uh, unemployment benefits that we've seen, that's going to decrease money supply. So, I mean, the money supply has to get tight in order for inflation to go down. But let's be clear, because we just spent so much of this conversation talking about the impact of the pandemic, the coronavirus here. And obviously, with the, even with the new variant, it doesn't appear it, it may be more transmissible, but not as um, I hate using this word deadly, I guess. But doesn't it also depend on how we all as consumers, how we all feel about being back out because we're still in the pandemic? So regardless of what the Fed does, doesn't it also depend on consumer habits here? And consumers, we're, a, you know, we're an interesting bunch. You know, we can be fickle. All it takes is just one more variant and everybody's going to close up their wallets. And, you know, mm. then we're back to this conversation again. Well, I mean, so so let me, let me focus on the last thing that you mentioned, right? Closing up our wallets. Well, actually, if we did close up our wallets, the demand would decrease and we would have downward pressure in prices. Uh, so... One of the reasons that the Fed is is, is probably going to in, increase the Fed funds target rate and the discount rate, so pull money out, mm-hmm. is to actually uh, reduce the amount of money that we have at, at access, right? Mm-hmm. If so we do reduce 
accessibility to funds. This will essentially decrease our consumption in some areas, which will then not have the additional effect of creating upward pressure on prices, which should actually pull back prices. If we all closed up our wallets, then we won't have inflation. Now, now the trade-off here of the Fed is that if you close up the wallets too tight, you could actually cause another economic recession. We saw mm -hmm. that in in the early 80s with Paul Volcker. He did just yeah. that. And, and we but we had, you know, seven, eight, nine, eleven percent annual inflation. It's just unbearable. But what does that mean for a city like Atlanta? And, you know, which has mm -hmm. apparently well the highest inflation rate among major cities? Yeah, I mean, the reason that you get differentiations between inflation rates in different cities is that different cities and the consumers within those cities have different buying habits. Mm -hmm. I mean, so as much as it's it's fine to take the, you know, let's say the public transportation to, you know, five points or whatever else, uh, we've got a lot of people who drive, mm -hmm. right? Which then creates a lot of demand for gasoline, which then, I mean, has a different impact on our overall inflation level. How it is that we consume because there's billions of products out there. So how it is that we consume and what, what amounts of those things we consume actually uh, impact the level of inflation that we have mm -hmm. as a community. Re right? Remember that, I mean, it, we will see typically different inflation rates between urban and rural communities, sure. right? And you look at the Northeast in New York, they've got different kind of price levels than we have, than you would have in, let's say, Kentucky. And that's because of the way that those consumers behave and how it is that they consume. And so Atlanta right now is just, we're sort of at the cutting edge of consumption in terms of we're buying lots of stuff, which is pushing prices up. Well, I and mean, then we could go into the housing market and, and affordability and oh, all that. Indeed. I'm gonna bring you back, professor in the finance area. And, and of course, an economist with the Guazetta Business School over at Emory University. Tom Smith is always good conversation. Thank you for taking the time. Someone wanted me to ask you about the price for fishing lures. I, I, that must be personal. Uh, yeah, this is somebody who knows that uh -huh. I'm a big fisherman. Uh -huh. Rose, thank you for having me on so much. And Miss Green, count me on for one of your 22, uh, you know, uh, people who are going to call in, pledge. All right. I didn't I didn't solicit that, so I don't want to buy no, you did not. email. You did not. That's me. That's all on me. <laughs> thank you, Professor. Show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Ah, yes, Atlanta's own creators, curators of the Southern hip hop movement. Yes. You let it play a little bit, Kevin. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. It's like Jamie and Rose driving down the street. Outcast, <laughs> Andre Big Boy. You know, we haven't made a hip-hop album, but we're pretty good storytellers ourselves, and we hope you value that. We often say that your gift to WABE, you know what? It's an investment in fact-based reporting, and it matters. And today when you give, it's an investment in another way. Yes, I'm Rose Scott, and here to explain why I just thought of that, said all of that is our senior multi-platform producer, Jamie Green. I love that. I love some outcasts. That was a great intro for that. Yeah. Thanks, Rose. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your investment can really pay off right now because we're in our only, that's right, our only board challenge of this year in campaign. And if we can hit our total number of hourly benchmark through the day, it will mean, get this, 10 
$10,000 to WAB. I got to say that again, Rose, so they can really, really, really hear me. But $10,000 to WABE. And this is with so much thanks to the members of our WABE board. And we want to hear from you. Our goal this hour is 22 donations. And perhaps this is your first time gift or your sustainer and decided, you know what, I want to give a little extra each month. We suggest a giving level at $10 a month, but truly the choice is yours and you know what's best for you. So help us out with a donation that works for you financially at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. Thank you. My name is Mike Rundle. I live in Atlanta right off Centennial Olympic Park. Why I appreciate Closer Look is that it deals with local issues primarily around I find like quality, fairness, racism, and understanding how our city is trying to deal with those issues or could deal with those issues. I learned stuff that I don't get perspective on anywhere else. Mike, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And that's what we strive to do every day. And we try to bring conversations. Listen, I know sometimes they are they are difficult conversations. And sometimes they're conversations that we hope we can bring to you that it's on a level that everyone can understand. So that's why I do what I do. And that's what we do. What what we do. Does that make sense? You too can also give with the call to 678 553-9090 and we earlier we suggested giving away a few dollars a month to support WABE and we want to suggest you know what how about this 10 bucks a month if you think about it then that's about what a monthly video or music streaming service will cost you it's a couple of cough cups of I guess high-end premium coffee and we definitely know it's an impulse buy of something we bought online recently and with the supply and demand issues If you're worried about whether or not you can get that nice sweater to Uncle Bob, say, you know what, Uncle Bob, how about I give you a membership to WABE? That's an awesome gift. And with 84% of our funding coming from this community, we realize, and we hope you realize, your donation right now at that same 10 bucks a month really will help bring a strong close for us at the end of this year. So give us a call, 678-553-9090. And as always, thank you so much. WABE is partnering with Dancing Goats to bring you coffee that is ethically sourced, sustainably crafted, and roasted locally. When you give to WABE as a new sustainer at $15 a month, we'd like to thank you with our popular Forever I Love Atlanta mug and a 12-ounce pack of Dancing Goats Blend Coffee. The mug features hand-drawn designs of some of Atlanta's most familiar landmarks, and it was designed by local artist India Nabarro. You can choose from four coffee varieties decaf, regular, whole bean, and percolator. With your gift, you'll also receive the PBS streaming channel Passport. By making a donation, you're amplifying the good by supporting WABE's long-standing tradition of quality reporting that connects you to Atlanta and beyond. It only takes a moment to give at wabe.org donate or with a call to 678-553-1990. Thank you. That's right. Please give at 678-553-9090. And look, because you value and you appreciate WABE, why not show your fa- philanthropic side as you major as a major donor to WABE? 
We can all call a Cornerstone Society member. They get invitations to our variety of functions throughout the year and also attend other unique insider events in Atlanta, which I enjoy, Rose, all the time to go to. <laughs> uh, think about how much you appreciate WABE and how long you've been listening and join us at the Cornerstone level. That's with a monthly donation at $100 a month or as a sustainer or with a single gift of $1,200 a month uh, for each year. Give because you value truth. You value facts and because you believe in the mission of WABE. We want to hear from you at WABE.org slash donate or with a call right now to 678-553-9090. And just a reminder, we are in a $10,000 WABE board challenge right now. It's the only one of 2021. So if you can give a little extra to help out, we really appreciate that. Call 678-553-9090. Again, 678-553-9090. As always, we say... Thank you. And as we continue here on 90.1 WABE, if you don't know, yes, this is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Now, moments ago, we talked to Emory University economist Tom Smith. You know, we talked about the nation's economy and obviously inflation. There's another factor, and that has been the nation's labor market. We talked about this a little bit. Well, we know of the Great Depression, the Great Recession, and now there's this great resignation. What is it? And why is it happening? Well, recently I spoke with Ian Shamudi. He's the associate professor in the Department of Economics in the Terry College of Business at the University of Georgia. Professor, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. It's great to, to be with you. Let's begin here because, Professor, I, I like numbers. I do love numbers. And I remember reading a CNBC story that began this way, quote, Americans are leaving their jobs in droves in August. 4.3 million Americans quit their jobs, close quote, Professor, this has been a trend of some time since last year. What do you make of this? Um, well, so that's right. Uh, this has been a trend, I think, uh, in particular starting around uh, the end of last year. The, the level of quits started to get back to the rates that it was prior to the, the pandemic. Of course, before the pandemic, uh, we were already experiencing tight labor markets and quit rates were getting relatively high, certainly relative to the to the Great Recession period where labor markets were pretty sluggish. Um, but now, uh, since the spring, um, the number of quits has become truly high, certainly levels we haven't seen uh, in, in the uh, data that are recorded from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And so in this recent month, uh, the records were once again at a record level um, where we got around four, uh, over four million people quitting uh, during the month of September, uh, rate of about 3%. And I read even back then, this trend was led by folks who had previously worked in food and retail industries. Yes, that's right. And that's that's the case right now as well. Quit rates are particularly elevated in uh, the leisure and hospitality sectors uh, and also in retail trade. You know, so people who are working in in stores, uh, for, for instance. Is this a sign of folks going into other industries, starting their own businesses, moving to... I don't know, Calcutta. I don't know what, what, what are folks do? <laughs> folks quitting the jobs. Yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> I mean, I, I I think so. Two things on this. One is that I, you know, I think it's it's all of the above. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I want to couch this uh, in, first by saying, you know, that we do have good data in general on sort of the movements of individuals between different 
different industries. Right now, um, this great resignation period is so fresh, we don't have really wonderful information on what exactly the destinations are for these individuals. But we do know um, that early retirements have been up. Um, so large number of people have been just withdrawing from the labor force altogether, um, either to go back to school, um, to retire, or just to sit and wait and see if a, a different, more enticing uh, opportunity pops up. Uh, but it's interesting that you mentioned uh, starting businesses um, because uh, new business starts have been up dramatically <laughs> um, since uh, the the end of the really uh, the, the shutdown period of the, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so we're up 50% in Georgia, for instance, in terms of new business starts. And, and many of those are in these industries that people are leaving right now. But so the pandemic has been at the core a big reason why folks are in this this great resignation. When you look at other areas, now typically though, at pre-pandemic, uh, what did we see? Did we see folks starting businesses? Did we see folks taking early retirements, what led to that? Or was it just part of what happens in, in our in our life cycles here in this country? Well, of course, I mean, certainly, you know, in, in any given month, you know, in a, a pre-pandemic labor market, people will be retiring. Um, and, and some of these trends have been present. Um, so in particular, um, the level of labor force participation overall has been declining over the, the last uh, couple of decades, several decades for, for male workers in particular. Um, retirement ages uh, have been, been falling somewhat, or certainly mm -hmm. the, the likelihood of working during retirement has been declining. And so in some sense, you can see what's going on as an acceleration of those trends. And likewise, people would always quit. Quits fell considerably during during the pandemic. And so part of what's going on is just a there, there are a glut of people who were unhappy with what they were doing, but felt stuck during that pandemic period. And then um, realized so that's probably part of it. And then realized, you know what? I can do bad by myself. I can be unhappy by myself and go do something else. Let me ask you this. Any is there any data out there that indicates what particular population are we looking at? We talked about retirees, so we get that. But what about maybe folk Gen Xers or, or millennials or Generation Z? Did we, are we seeing any trends with those groups? Yeah, I've seen some um, some, some reports indicating. So certainly uh, a lot of this quit behavior and certainly the, the decline in labor force participation, the part that that. Uh, is of most concern is sort of among what we would call prime age workers, people between the ages of 25 when they're finished with schooling and say 55 before they start to think about retirement. Mm -hmm. um, so, so those numbers are down as well. And there are also some, some smaller studies um, out indicating that uh, younger workers are, in particular have been quitting quite a bit. And of course, that's a more mobile workforce, mm -hmm. uh, even during normal times. And while we know it's great for folks to to step out on faith and start their own businesses or, you know what, new chapters are great. I always say that. But in this instance, there are some there's a there's a there's a, a negative because there are folks that are looking to hire people. And of course, now we can have a whole nother conversation then about, well, if you don't want folks leaving the restaurant industry, maybe we should pay them a little bit more. That's a whole nother conversation, Professor. I'm not going to get you in on that one. But the restaurant industry and the hospitality industry, are they suffering here the most? Is that what you're saying? And the retail? Um, I mean, in, in terms of suffering, uh, you, you know, I I don't know. And I'm certainly happy to to discuss the wage issue if you if you if you want to. Um, That's a whole nother one, hour, Professor. <laughs> 
<laughs> one thing one thing we do uh, another interesting trend in the data is that uh, corporate profits are up about 14 percent you know mm -hmm. wages are up seven percent corporate profits are up about 14 percent um so you know some people are doing okay out of this um and again i don't have great data right now on the number of businesses that are actually shutting down I think what we're seeing certainly quite a bit of is businesses figuring out how to make do mm -hmm. uh, with with a, a potentially smaller workforce. Uh, also, interestingly, while the number of quits has risen a lot, the total number of workers leaving their jobs has fallen. And so what's going on is that companies are figuring out ways to retain their existing workers. And so while it is true that to grow your workforce, you're going to have to probably do something special to get more workers in the door, whether it be raise wages or something else. Uh, but companies are, do seem to be figuring out ways to, 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 to get by. Well, ways to get people into the doors, but also retention because you've already, mm -hmm. companies have already lost some folks. So then they've got to think of ways to, to increase their, to make sure they, they keep folks and it could be salaries. It could be culture. I mean, it, this pandemic has really highlighted a, a lot of issues for folks. So businesses out there, what are you, what are you suggesting that they do? I mean, is it something simple as having, you know, and I'm just suggesting this, don't say Rose Scott said, you got to give me a bonus to come work for you, but maybe, you know, signing bonuses, maybe some incentives to get folks in the door. That never, it, it does help. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to go back just a little bit. I don't want to certainly be seen as making light of the difficulties sure. I think, that, that businesses are having in, in retaining and, and finding people to, to staff up their businesses. You know, where I live here in Athens, we have many, many small restaurateurs, business owners, and I know that they're having trouble figuring out a way to, to, to get it together. Um, and the conversations that I, I have with those people when I do, you know, is to think about, you know, if you can't pay somebody a higher wage constantly, you know, then things like what you're talking about, if you can't do a bonus, figuring out ways to make the, the job more appealing, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, anything you can do to, to, to do that, I think is what, what, what companies are, are, are going to have to do and what they do appear to be doing. Uh, like I said, wages are coming up, um, at the moment. And finally, professor, as we begin to wrap up, then when do we start to see the, the trend go the other way? When will we see this record number of Americans quitting their jobs, I guess, sort of cease, or is that going to be continuing through 2022? That can't be good for uh, the workforce development overall. I mean, there's a certain amount of quitting, you know, there's a certain amount of dynamism. So what, you know, when you see people quitting, you can see two things. You can see people leaving correct kind of productive employment relationships, or you can see people seeking out better opportunities for themselves and better and better job matches. Um, and I see some combination of both of those things. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of trends for the future, um, any thoughts I would have had on that have kind of gone gone down now that we've got the Omicron variant yeah. uh, coming, because I do think pandemic is the number one factor behind all of this. We're going to have to bring you back at the beginning of the year to get your uh, your, your outlook. And I, I love to talk to analysts about an outlook for an entire year because they never get it right. And that's OK. <laughs> professor Ian Shamuti, Associate Professor, Department of Economics in the Terry College of Business at the University of Georgia. Professor, thank you so much for this conversation. We're going to bring you back because we'll continue to follow this. Thank you. Thank you.
And you're listening to Closer Look here on 90.1 WABE. Here's a question for you all. Send me an email, rose at wabe.org. And just tell me in a few sentences. Of course, some of y'all will write a dissertation. That's okay. What's your outlook for 2022? How are you feeling about what's going to happen next year? Uh, let me know. Be honest. I appreciate it. Rose at WABE.org. And if you're thinking about giving this afternoon, please remember that right now is one of the best times to give support to 90.1 because guess what? Your donation will simply go a long, long way. And also because the WABE board got together with a challenge that could mean $10,000 for WABE. I'm Rose Scott. I'm also joined by our senior producer, multi-platform extraordinaire, Jamie Green. Did you ever get a puppy? You were talking to me about getting a puppy. I know. It's it's in the works. Maybe for Christmas. So anybody that's listening that knows me, that knows that I want a puppy. Yeah. Now don't get a, Don't get like a big, you know, Rottweiler that you can't control. No, 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 no. They're no. cute, but. Medium, medium size, yeah, medium they, size. They get big. My friend has a Rottweiler and he's like, he opens the door and he has his own chair. And yeah. <laughs> That's adorable. Has I love his own it. WABE mug, and he's like, "Hey, Rose, have a beer." <laughs> I love it. We always need company, right? We always need. He's company. huge. He's huge. But yes, we have something important to talk about, Rose. Yes. We have the board challenge, and this is the only one for this year in campaign. And it works like this: if we can hit all of the benchmarks through the day, it will mean ten thousand dollars i have to emphasize that number rose ten thousand dollars to wabe and again it's the only board challenge of 2021 and right now in this hour well our goal is 22 for this whole hour we want to hear from you we want to get you on the phone so call 678-553-9090 and look can we do it well with your help we can and you know look who knows, perhaps your entire journey of listening to public radio has led you to this moment, your very first donation to 90.1 WABE. So please help if you can afford it. We really do need to hear from you at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. In a year full of challenging news, it can be hard to remember the bright spots, but amid the crises and the controversies, there was good news too like the scientists raising endangered sea stars. We're responsible for them. We take a lot of care in trying to make sure that they stay alive. Or the gene editing experiment that lets some patients see color again. I see pink in the sky. She goes, yeah, you see the sunset. That's the sunset. And the young poet who moved a nation with her words. And so we lift our gaze not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. NPR and this station are dedicated to keeping you informed, and that mission includes moments of joy. We'll be here for you no matter what stories next year brings, but we can only do that with your help. Here's how to donate before this year ends. By the way, I learned this on National Geographic for Kids. Sea stars are not fish. See, I pay attention. WAB.org slash donate or with a call at 678-553-9090. See what information you get here on Closer Look. Aren't you glad for news you get here? And also for the moments that are a little lighter, like the stories that our friend Corva Coleman mentioned. And we know it's been a year. Wow. And it continues to be. There's so much on WAB right now from entertainment to enlightenment. And we know there's some hard-hitting news, but that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bring you all of this. It happens 24-7, 365 a year. And speaking of years, this one is almost over. So there is no better time 
than now for you to make your gift of support for everything you find here on WABE. And particularly with a bit of information I just gave you that sea stars are not fish. I'm telling you, that's going to take somebody in jeopardy over the top. Year in and year out, your donation today makes it all possible. So please take a moment to give and support at WABE.org slash donate. And as always, we say thank you so much. That's right. We want to hear from you. 678-553-9090. And look, to our Atlanta listeners and donors, we couldn't be more grateful. And here's why. The vast majority of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. That's about 84%. The rest comes from grants and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. We receive no state funding, so we really do rely on Metro Atlanta listeners like you for financial help. And your gift helps us as we seek to amplify all of the voices of Atlanta this year and on to the next. So consider a gift of $10 a month it seems to be the most comfortable level for most of our listeners but you know what's right from you so we want to hear from you at 678-553-9090 or make that contribution at wabe.org slash donate and she's absolutely right wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090 we really appreciate it I already got a text somebody saying, thank you, Rose. I did not know that sea stars aren't fish. See, that's what I'm here for. That's it for this edition of Closer Look. Our senior producer is Sam Whitehead, Janine Etter, LaShawn Hudson, and Daniel Razel are our producers. Our engineer is Kevin Rinker. You know, he rides a bike. A reminder to let us know your thoughts on today's program or any other. So send me an email, rose at wabe.org. And as always, if you missed this edition, well, you can find the entire program online, wabe.org slash closer look. And of course, weeknights at 7 p.m. And we have a podcast. Subscribe to wherever you like. We got all that for you all. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.